What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Ali Deitchman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. That's right, and this week we will be talking about the new Unearthed Arcana that just came out, and also the problem with Unearthed Arcanas, <laughs> as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Trevor, how are your games this week? Uh, oh, God. Um, <laughs> shit, I didn't even think about that. Also, spoilers, <laughs> we don't actually have listener questions. Ah. I just realized that. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> I, that... I'm, we have one, but it's better as a topic. Oh, okay. And then I forgot to ask. We'll them. mention that it's a topic later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I sent him an email just be like, Jonathan, I'm not ignoring you. <laughs> um, games. Uh, so let's see. Skype group couldn't do it this week. Not a few ago. Happens. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we haven't done this because of last week with, with all the game. So um, I've started Boulder's Gate. Hey. Um, it's going interestingly <laughs> um there so like we did we decided to do the suicide squad type thing yeah so like they started off in prison and uh they were in a place and things went bad there spoiler free yeah spoiler free still <laughs> still going with that um and so some of the characters are like i'm using this as a second chance mm-hmm. some characters are like well i didn't even really need to I wasn't supposed to be there to begin with, but I'm still not the best of persons, but I'm going along with what's happening. Yeah. Um, one of them is batshit insane, and okay. I love her. Cool. Um, and then a couple <laughs> of them are like, no, nah, I'm, I'm doing this evil thing. <laughs> so, like, I, I had it that Skyreach... The whole eclectic group there. Yeah, I had it that Skyreach set this whole Suicide Squad thing up. Uh, Tara's old character, Oriana, is the one that's leading it kind of like um oh my god i can't remember the character's name the woman from uh suicide squad right yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about the director yeah <laughs> and uh but to go get the people malastare eric's old character went and my cousin jared tried to kill him <laughs> <laughs> just right out the bat <laughs> he is the malastare is already getting fucked up by demons and my cousin's just like, does he look pretty hurt? I'm like, yeah, he, he looks pretty fucked up. He's like, I attack him. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And he rolled a 13. I'm like, no, Malastar's got way better armor than that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a fucking like 17th level clerk. <laughs> um, so that didn't go well for him. And then Oriana like hurt him with fucking mind magic because they have that going on. Yeah. Um, but now we're actually in the book. I wrote the first adventure. Okay. And I cut so much shit out of it. <laughs> So much. I wrote this whole dungeon and I looked at the time and I'm like, we got through one encounter and mm. it's like half of our time. <laughs> and I and I didn't want to cut this up between two sessions because I want the big thing that happens that kicks off the whole campaign to be at the end of it. Yeah. So I just cut out a bunch of shit on the fly. Yeah. Um, had one small, one more small encounter and then a boss fight. Okay. And I almost murdered them. Oh, gosh. Like, murdered yeah. them. Yeah. Because I had seven players. And I'm like, I'm going to throw a CR5 at them. Seven players? That's so many. <laughs> and I threw a CR5 at them. A, uh, a, a hell wasp became a big boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I almost murdered them. My dice really wanted to kill Garrett. It was great. <laughs> he didn't like it. Um, and, but now we're actually, the last night, we were into Descent into Avernus. Um, things are going better. <laughs> uh, and they <laughs> once you got two. to hell, it got pretty good. <laughs> oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not there yet. We're still in Baldur's Gate. Okay, okay. Uh, but, uh, but things are going well. Okay, cool. Yeah. How, how's, how's stuff with you? Cause you, you're still taking the break. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing is that our, 
roommate who was part of the campaign just got back last night and we were actually talking about it. And um, I think after we finish up what we're doing right now in this side campaign, which I'll get to in a second, mm-hmm. um, I'll go back into DMing because I've actually been thinking, like I've been stewing nonstop about like what I'm going to be doing next. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about it. So, so even though there was that moment where you're like, I need a break. Yeah. Like you'd still, there's still a, like, I got to keep doing this. Well, it's also just the concept of like my creative outlet. Yeah. You know, was like writing this uh, story with my friends. W- one of the, um, one of the most interesting pieces of writing advice I've ever heard. Uh, th- this isn't for D and D, right? This is just yeah. like, writing in general um and uh someone said that they were once asked uh what's your best advice for a new writer and this person <laughs> after they said this whole auditorium went silent because they went quit what <laughs> and everyone's just like what oh because it'll make you and, and and then and then they said then if you can't you know you're on the right path aha <laughs> So that's kind of illustrating that, that that for you, it's like, yeah, even though you were like, I can't do this right now, it's causing too much stress, you're still just like, I got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's really fun is that in the meantime, um, we've been playing these side characters, these characters that Marco's kind of set up for us. Oh, yeah, the amnesia yeah. ones. Yeah, exactly. Amnesia. Um, it's actually been so much fun. Uh, this warlock I'm playing, people would look at this character sheet and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so... We're playing the, funny enough, the UA warlock that came mm-hmm. out with the noble genie one. Um, and we were looking at like the wording of everything. And it's like, well, you're casting this spell from the person you're tethered to. Does that mean that self spells can count as well? And Marcos and Ben, who was DMing since then, has been like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I have a warlock who knows the cantrip Blade Ward, <laughs> True Strike, Misty Step. And she never uses any of it on her. <laughs> She only uses it for the tethered person. She doesn't know Eldritch Blast. <laughs> so she's like a full, complete support warlock. And I am the happiest I've ever been playing a warlock. <laughs> I mean, like they've had that with like, what was it the Celestial Warlock is kind of like the support? So Celestial Warlock is kind of more like a weak healing kind of warlock mm-hmm. where they have some spells that could help, but you only had two spell slots. Yeah. Um, whereas like with me, it's like, Hey, you're literally being surrounded by eight skeletons right now. Do you want a bonus action? Get the Misty step the fuck out of there. And Eric's like, yeah, I do. So I just action tether bonus action, Misty step him out. <laughs> it's like, this has been such a fun play. And, uh, Ben's been DMing since, uh, Marcos wanted to play a little bit. And Ben's been taking us through a just whirlwind of water deep mini adventures Mm-hmm. Um, the one we're doing right now that we're going to be finishing up next week is the the Blue Alley uh, adventure, <laughs> which has been a ton so, so of puzzles. So it's just you and blue paint. Yeah, I know. They already made that joke, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's just been a ton of puzzles. And hilariously, the session before that, Spencer was solving literally every single puzzle like in two seconds flat. This time he's not. <laughs> So it's been fun for us to kind of gather around and be like, wait a second. I I always love when there's somebody at the table. Like, even though I put so much time into like a puzzle question or something Mm -hmm. like that, um, I do find it really entertaining when one player snaps and they're just like, I know it. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Seeing a kid just light up and I know it. (laughs) Oh, no. This was with adults. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I did one with my old Pathfinder group and it was riddles. (laughs) And I said the question, I said the riddle out and Everyone at the table, like, I, I had nine people, and, uh, like, oh, well, nine, including me. So, seven of them were just like, what the 
fuck does that mean? And Tara just goes, I know this! I know this! <laughs> it, it, it was like the, the, the girl in Jurassic Park. It's yeah. like, it's a Linux system. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been really fun. And then, oh my gosh, uh, Ben, who... Puffin Forest, he actually drew a good part of one of the puzzles because mm-hmm. it's a huge mural. And like, I was looking at it and I'm like, huh, you know, is it just me or does this snake look like an S? And then this flower next to it looks like an S. Spencer grabbed it. He's like, hang on, this spells things. And so we like started looking at it and I realized Spencer couldn't see half of it because my poor colorblind boyfriend couldn't differentiate that the background was a different color from the foreground. So he didn't see a few things. <laughs> And so Ben's really kind. He's like, I'm going to change the colors so you can see it better next time. This but- is the meanest thing to say, but Spencer's colorblindness has brought me some of the most great humor. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Spencer. Just pointing it out and be like, that's green. And he's like, no. We, we've gotten into arguments. Too. I'm like, no, that, that's fucking green. And he's like, no, it's not. I'm just like, listen, between the two of us. <laughs> Let me tell you. But uh, we, we've been having a huge blast playing through with, with these crazy out there characters. And I'm excited for next week to, to finish that up. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a we got jam-packed episodes. Let's move over into that yeah. news. With All the right. broad sheets. Um, so we just watched some Boulder's Gate 3 gameplay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it's here. It happened. It was announced only oh, last June. Um <laughs> But it's finally, we finally got to see it. PAX East is going on right now. Um, so if you're listening to this on Friday, <laughs> you know, maybe follow the Idol Champions thing and maybe they'll hand out more Jim uh, Dark Magic Rockstar ones. They already did that today, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we got to see Baldur's Gate 3. We got to see the opening cinematic, which was batshit and crazy. Crazy. It's like, so cool looking. Like, I, I've seen some D&D stuff. Where, like, like the intro to the Neverwinter MMO. It's yeah. like, there's a fucking lich. There's Neverwinter. There's a fucking dead you know, lich dragon and shit. And, like, this is awesome. And this one's just like, that's cute. <laughs> it feels like such an epic opening to the story, which you know is just going to be even it, it's, more it's epic. It's not just epic. <laughs> it's like, I feel like if someone started playing D&D yesterday and they saw that cinematic, they'd be like, what's that for? <laughs> like they wouldn't even know that that was d because it's like, oh yeah, no, we got a mind flare in an illithid spaceship. Yeah. Uh, Githyanki on red dragons come attack it out of a portal between dimensions. Yeah. And it's, it. oh my God, it was so cool. So cool. I know, um, I'm so excited. <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we did air some concerns while watching a few things. Yeah. Like, I played Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I didn't beat them, but I, I really heavily enjoy them. And, and I think it's Lithurium. I think that's the name of the, the, how you say the company. They're doing this one, and you can see that. <laughs> it's it's Divinity, but as if the rules were written from a D&D player's handbook. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, they're... There's a few things that uh, like concern me, and, like, but I'm I'm still gonna play it regardless. And they're still very much in early access. They're still making huge decisions that haven't been decided they, yeah, yet. Yeah, they they haven't even said release date yet because yeah. what they said is they're doing an early access later this year. And right now, all they've announced for what it's coming out on is PC and Stadia. Sigh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> same same here. Same energy. Uh, but what concerns me about that is just like. Well, like, I'm not going to get, like, a fucking, three, or, you know, $600 PC to play this thing. Oh, gosh, no. I, I I would consider downloading Stadia to play it, but is early access only going to be for PC? Yeah, it's we don't know yet. probably going to be, yeah. We, we don't know anything about that yet, exactly. Um, 
So yeah, that that's disheartening, but it's it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it looks cool. It's it's D and D in a game, and the oh, mo- yeah. the freaking dude played as a vampire spawn <laughs> at the beginning. Wild, <laughs> like it's definitely got Divinity 2's batshit crazy character stuff. Yeah, where like in Divinity Two, it's just like, uh, you're a living skeleton. Yep. There you uh, go. You can get this device that chops people's faces off, and you wear them, so nobody knows that you're undead. Cool. cool like cool, it's cool, just cool, crazy cool. stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm 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 excited. I just I, I want. Yeah, same here. <laughs> uh, moving on from there, Idle Champions news. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. So they added two all-star packs um, last week, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, there's the year one uh, pack, which... Um, the, the thing about these is that they contain actual characters. Mm-hmm. It's not like the other ones where it's just like you get a skin and some chests. This one's yeah. like you actually get characters without time gates or playing it. Yeah. So the year one has Evelyn and it has a special skin for Evelyn where it's her as her clockwork form, which is so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cadabry, uh, Deacon, uh, Gr- Groma? Grama. Grama and Zorbu. And each of those comes with a couple gold character chests for each of them. Yeah. Year two has Walnut and a very kick-ass skin for Walnut. Um, with the antlers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you say this one's name? Ayla? Ayla, Paulton, Shandy, and Spurt. Yeah, Spurt. <laughs> um, and they, so so both these packs, they only contain one skin each. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I wish I could get the skins without it because these are a lot of characters that I already have. Yeah, that year two pack, I'm like, I, I play those people a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, like, I, I, I kind of wish that there was a, a discounted one. Like, if you already have these characters, you're still getting chests and a skin, mm-hmm. so we'll give you at a discounted price because right now it, it is basically the price of, let's see, how many characters are there? One, two, three, four, five. It's basically the price of five characters um, and a little change. Yeah. But you get all of the chests and everything like that. Which is a, a really good value yeah. in the end. Especially uh, if you don't have them either already. That that's when you want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, these these are like if you're a brand new player and you want some characters and a cool skin and a bunch of chests, this is a great one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, let's see what's up next. Oh, <laughs> baby spurt familiar. <gasps> it's so cute. It's so cute. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so so cute. now if if you if you're not just happy with Spurt as a character, you can get Baby Spurt to be a little familiar. Do a little. It's way too adorable. Um, and the real uh, so Baby Spurt comes out next week, mm-hmm. and um, until March seventeenth, all proceeds are going to go to Game to Grow, which yeah. is a group that uh, helps kids with anxiety, ADHD, depression, autism, autism yeah. all of this stuff. Uh, it's once again, it's Idle Champions being fucking rock stars with donating money uh, to people who need it. And uh, you guys get some familiars. Mm-hmm. I, I'm totally excited for that. I'm, I'm definitely going to get that one. Yeah, all nut proceeds until March 17th will be donated. Yep. So definitely get in there while you can. Uh, lastly, uh, there's new champion. Uh, oh, my God. Sassas. I don't know how to say her name. I want to say Sassaspia. Sassaspia. Yeah. <laughs> I might be wrong. <laughs> I think she's from High Rollers. I, unfortunately, I've been so freaking busy this week, I didn't get a chance to look into her. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing the event and everything. The event's going on right now. It's Fleet Week. Yeah. Um, And I realize it's freaking crazy. It's been a year since I started playing Idol Champions because I started during last Fleet Week. Oh, yeah. No, that happened to me when I was in uh, December because yeah. I'm like, oh, I can get 
oh, I can get Kathris again. Oh, man, I've been playing this for two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that um, go get another champion. Um, she seems really awesome from the videos that I've been seeing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so go check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, last piece of news is just <laughs> it's a little an fun one. one. Chris Pratt and Tom Holland want to do an Avengers D&D session. Yeah. I don't know if that was like sprung from just some sideways like interview. It, it was from what I remember, it was on, I think it was on the red carpet for Onward. Oh, okay. The new Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think they were talking to Tom Holland and he was just like, oh yeah, it'd be so cool to do a D&D game. And then that same person to Chris Pratt was just like, oh, Tom Holland said he wanted to do a D&D game with the Avengers. <laughs> and he's like, that'd be fucking cool. But you know, like appropriate for people to hear and not me. Um <laughs> So that would be freaking amazing. Oh my god! Because be like cool. my one of my favorite stories in Hollywood uh, that Vin Diesel has told is that on the set of Chronicles of Riddick, there was a delay in production, and they had like four hours where they had to stay in costume mm-hmm. on set until it got fixed. And so he fucking busted out his three point five books <laughs> and ran a game for uh, Judy Dench, Carl Urban. Um, oh my god it was a couple of the stars from the movie I can't remember who else was in it um, mm-hmm. I think Keith David was in it too which is just oh my god <laughs> I mean already Judy Dench and Carl Urban that's amazing but I'm just didn't like Judy oh. Dench go from that and like she did she yeah. she she has now played D&D with her granddaughters that is so sweet <laughs> I need to hear it and in like, my life can you imagine it's like oh how did how did you get into this well my grandma was playing D&D with Vin Diesel <laughs> <laughs> And she got really into it, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. So yeah, like, like, can you imagine, like, Robert Downey Jr. playing D and D? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I need it. Like, I don't even really want. I don't want them playing the Avengers. I want them playing some crazy fucking characters yeah. where it's just them being like. I I need I need a uh, um Brie uh is it Brie Larson? Yeah. Yeah. I need I need her in there. <laughs> oh my god i just i, I want the a benedict cumberbatch <laughs> that would be so funny make him a sorcerer <laughs> <laughs> i need it so who knows maybe I, I i did like that uh that uh the D twitter retweeted the ign article about it just with uh the with the, the thinking emoji <laughs> and i'm just like do it Chris. pretty <laughs> much it. like everybody would want to do this <laughs> like can you imagine like chris perkins running that because he is the dm to the stars yeah Let's let's fucking go. <laughs> let's fucking go. Um, all right. Well, that's gonna do it for the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, move over to some dungeon keeping. Uh, so this is a little bit early, but I wanted to get it out there so people knew we're thinking about it. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe get some questions there. We're gonna be reviewing uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount next month. Yeah. So it its release kind of lined up perfectly with our next <laughs> review. Um, yeah. It's not the same week it came out. It's going to be the week after, but that's perfect because it gives us time to read through it and see what we think about it. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to be running it at the bookstore, so you yeah. know, we, we've got plenty of reason to read this dang book. And you're going to get a wonderful perspective of someone who sadly hasn't listened to much of Campaign 2. That is going to be the real interesting thing. Is like, I almost want to have Spencer on for that one mm-hmm. um, because... I'm still like I don't even think I've I'm in the double digits of episodes for <laughs> season two, so like I'm still really far behind. So I yeah. think it would be I, I I think maybe we should think about having Spencer on for that one. That mm-hmm. could be interesting because like I've always thought about things like for example like the Spider-Man movie. It's like well we knew Mysterio right that like that was a given like because yeah. we know the Spider-Man lore. Yeah. But for someone that's never like knew anything about Spider-Man, how was that movie good? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have that perspective. I can't ask that for myself. So it's like, yeah, like like I I've, I've sort of told people I'm like, 
Far From Home is a really good movie. If I watch it again, I'm going to start it halfway through. <laughs> Get to the part where you know already. Like, like I will literally start it after, like, uh, after Mysterio's reveal. And, yeah. like, and, and that, and then... I'll watch the rest of it because yeah. before that I'm just like, I don't care. Like you're just waiting. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Cause so that's pretty much what we're going to be doing. Like I, I'm going to be looking at this book as someone who's never known anything about this entire region. I don't know mm-hmm. anything about this world. And so I'll be coming at it blind and seeing how it rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, all right. So, uh, r- real quick, uh, Trevor's going to be, you know, narcissistic for a moment. Uh, <laughs> so, I was on Respawning Fire this week. Yeah. Go listen to me talk ridiculously about Animal Crossing. Yes. That was the entire reason I was on. I tweeted Holden and I'm like, hey, if you need someone who's actually going to take this seriously and not freaking Chad, who's <laughs> stupid and doesn't like these games. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I was on there. We, uh, It was uh, me, Ch- uh, me, Holden, and Brent, and we all had a good time talking about Animal Crossing. It's fantastic. Uh, the next piece of Trevor news <laughs> is uh, next week, uh, I'm going to podcast premieres. We recorded a couple episodes uh, this week, and we really like them, and we've listened to them. Like, I don't know if they're funny or if it's just because it's us. <laughs> so See, it's a perspective be... question again. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good. It, I, I'm very interested to hear on Tuesday if people actually think this is funny <laughs> or if we should just never do these again. <laughs> we'll put episode two up, but that's it. No There'll more. There'll be a poll. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I had, we had a lot of fun recording it. It's just us being stupid. Uh, it, it, it is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. and that we had a lot of fun doing it. (laughs) So go, 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 please listen, please leave, Mm -hmm. maybe leave a review. I would love you. Um, and the last piece of dungeon keeping. Thank you for listening last week. Oh my gosh. Totally. Thank you for the feedback you got. Yes. Uh, (laughs) our feedback we got, uh, that was, we kind of got blown away by, the amount of people that listen to it. I mean, we hit our average listener um, per episode on Sunday. Yeah, which is nuts. <laughs> and like usually, usually we hit that about a week and a half after the episode post. So I, everyone that listened, thank you so much. I'm really glad that people enjoyed it. I didn't hear anything bad about it, which I was really surprised about. Yeah, no, and um, the people that were talking to me about it were really supportive and I'm, I'm just i love it thank yeah. you guys thank you yeah. <laughs> um so uh if you want more episodes like that uh let us know uh if you have any ideas about what we could run send it in we'll take yeah. a look at it um if you want your own things ran let us know <laughs> that could be interesting too mm-hmm. um so yeah, uh, send it in difficultyclass at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you because that I I had a lot of fun doing that. Oh, me too. Also, I, I'd be interested to know what uh, what the rest of her story would be. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing about dungeon keeping, mm-hmm. you may or may not have noticed <laughs> about the oh, sound. <laughs> yeah, so um, we got a new setup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Remember back uh, when we started doing the the sponsorships, and I had the uh, horrible idea that people were like, "Ah, you have ads now." Uh, well, if you were like that, uh, you can thank uh, Dungeon Ke- uh, DungeonNotebook.com for yep. why we have new mics, booms. Oh, there's uh, so much room for activities a, and a notes. Mixer. <laughs> so uh, it's also you know to say if this episode sounds fucked up, it's because we're still getting used <laughs> to this. We're giving it a shot. We're we're taking things. We're figuring it out <laughs> yeah but uh so we're we we got some new equipment mm-hmm. we th- this is probably the most professional podcasty i have ever felt 
just straight up just looking at you right now. It's really <laughs> weird. We've got headsets we on. We both have headsets on yeah, all that shit. With the it's shock so mounts. It's, itts really awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, enough navel gazing about that one. <laughs> Thank you again for that, uh, dungeonnotebook.com. Oh, you know what? I'm going to throw out this is a free one. You have until tomorrow, the 29th. Uh, to use the DC5 code to get $5 off an order from Dungeon Keeping Notebook. Do it. That, that's a free one. Yeah. We love you, Brian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> follow him on Twitter just because he is working on a Pathfinder oh, yeah, book yeah, yeah. right now. And so if you're playing Pathfinder 2 and you're like, I, I need something to just compile everything in there, keep an eye out for him because well, he's he, working on it. He's Not just that, he posted um, some some like ideas some like oh yeah production stuff and yeah, was, i like, love his action tracker yeah, 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 yeah. it looks really good mm-hmm. oh no it wasn't the action tracker that was uh for trained oh that's right that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. i totally love i just love it <laughs> okay so uh last before we get to the unearthed arcana it's time for some champion loot Woo. all right so this is the uh area of the show where we give out a code so you can go get a gold chest on us and idle champions and kick some bad gat bad gad bad guy but there yeah. we go. Words are hard Words today. Are hard. <laughs> uh, all right. So this week's code is U P B Y T O L T C O I R. That's really going to be a good test to see if these puffers work. <laughs> uh, so go ahead and uh, put that code into Isle Champions. Get a gold chest. Kick mm-hmm. some bad guy butt and take a screenshot and send it to us on uh, on Twitter at Difficulty Class and because we'd love to see what loot you get. Oh yeah, tell us what you got. Okay, well now that uh, oh my god, this, this is gonna be a long one. We're almost <laughs> a half hour in. We talked a lot. There's a lot of news. There's a lot of news. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a lot of news, we got another Arcana, <laughs> <laughs> which we omitted from the uh, the the news because we're going to be talking about it, so oh, yeah. let, let's freaking go. This is the topic of the and evening. And my browser <laughs> shut down, so <laughs> All right, I need to get back I, to it. I got it. it. Yeah. Okay. So um, in case you couldn't guess, this is subclasses part three. So again, this is following up the past two well, it's that like, they put out. It's like subclasses part two, uh, episode three. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> this is season two right now. <laughs> but um, so this one is going to be Playtest options for the Artificer, Druid, and Ranger. Mm-hmm. Three interesting classes to go for. So uh, let's just dive right into what a lot of people are really excited about. <laughs> <laughs> the Artificer. Um, it's called the Armorer, which is a fun word to say over and over again. It's the rural juror, the Armorer. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of word. <laughs> um, so the Armorer. An artificer who specializes as an armorer modifies his armor. God, I'm going to laugh every time I say it. <laughs> modifies armor to function almost like a second skin. The armor is enhanced to hone the artificer's magic, unleash potent attacks, and generate a formidable defense. The artificer bonds with this armor, becoming one with it, even as they experiment with it and refine its magical capabilities. So, <laughs> getting into the first thing. At third level, they're going to get a few things. They're going to get the tools of the trade feature you gain proficiency with heavy armor good thing you also gain proficiency with smith's tools probably a good thing too if you already have this tool proficiency you gain proficiency with one other type of tools of your choice that's fair because if you're already building an artificer chances are their background is going to be a smith of some sort Mm -hmm. um also at third level you get armor spells uh you always have a certain spells prepared after you reach particular levels in this class uh let's see you get at third level magic missile and shield fifth you get magic sorry 
Mirror Image and Shatter. Ninth, you get Hypnotic Pattern, <gasps> Lightning Bolt. Thirteenth, you get Fire Shield and Greater Invisibility. And seventeenth, you get Passwall and Wall of Force. So. That's um, an interesting group of spells. Once you kind of piece it together, you realize why they all fit pretty well. <laughs> so I want you I want you to just, um, because the, the one class that I already read was the Artificer one. Mm-hmm. Imagine, if you will, Iron Man. I saw a lot of gifts about that with this. So magic missile. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the, the, the pulse hand. Mm-hmm. Shield, being able to just deflect things. Mirror image, having multiple of you. It's it all kind of makes sense. Like the mirror <laughs> image, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was in one movie. <laughs> yeah. Shatter, hypnotic pattern, lightning bolt, fire I don't, shield. I don't get hypnotic pattern. I don't I don't understand that one at all. Um, well, it's pretty much just like lights that come out of you, essentially, so. Okay. Yeah, kind of adds up. Greater invisibility is strange. What is what is passwall? Ooh, not sure off the top of my head. Let me check it out. And it, like yeah, like definitely magic missile and shield, and I guess shatter and lightning bolt makes sense for me. Ah, but... passwall. It's kind of like the acme hole. A passage appears at one point of your choice that you can see on a wooden plaster or stone surface within range and lasts for the duration, which is an hour. You choose the opening's dimension up to five feet wide and tall and 20 feet deep. Uh, the passage creates no instability in a structure. When the opening disappears, any creatures or objects still in the passage created by the spell are safely ejected to an unoccupied space. You make a hole in the wall and you go through it. I uh, I guess if you like I I don't know that's doesn't seem mm-hmm. armory. <laughs> um. So again, they kind of had this in the last UA. They have a design note here, which mm-hmm. is neat to see. Um, this one has <sighs> subclass spells, so it talks about these spells that a lot of subclasses get only for them, essentially. Uh, so some classes add spells to a character's list of available spells. If the character is a member of a class, such as the cleric, that prepares spells, the additional spells are a mix of ones that the character should always have prepared because of story or rules reasons, and ones adopted from another class, expanding the character's options beyond the class's normal limits. If the character knows their spells rather than preparing them, the spells are almost always adopted from another class. Okay. Whether or not a class prepares or knows the spells, the spells on the list are selected, with rare exceptions, from the player's handbook, the only book a player is expected to have. Huh. That's interesting to think about. That is interesting. So, like, when you're designing a class, it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be picking out from, like, the Ravnica book to have for it. Yeah, I mean it, it, that I'd like I do like that design point because it would be weird if they started releasing stuff that it's like oh well now you also need this book but it's yeah. just for the spell. Yeah, so it's like if you just picked up like the uh, Eberron yeah. book, and so all those expanded spells come from the player's handbook, so to yeah. speak. So that's pretty neat. <sighs> Power armor. So this is the next third level thing you get as an armorer. Your metallurgical pursuits have led you to making an armor a conduit for your artificer magic. As an action, you can turn a suit of heavy armor you are wearing into power armor, provided you have smith's tools in hand. You gain the following benefits while wearing this power armor. If the armor normally has a strength requirement, it now lacks this requirement for you. You can use the power armor as a spellcasting focus for your artificer spells, and the power armor attaches to you and can't be removed against your will. Jesus. It also expands to cover your entire body and it replaces any missing limbs functioning identically to a body part that it is replacing. So remember how Iron Man said, oh, it's just advanced prosthesis? Yeah. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a weapon of war. That's kind of insane. Yeah. I love how it, 
it just completely drops the strength requirement. So you can get straight up like plate armor and be like, nah, I can wear this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the armor continues to be power armor until you doff it. You don another suit of armor or you die. So that's what you get at... Oh, there's one more. I forgot. Yep. One more feature at third level. You get everything at third level that essentially builds this class. It's the armor model. You can customize your power armor. When you do so, choose one of the following armor models, guardian or infiltrator. The model you choose gives you special benefits while you wear it. Each model includes a special weapon. When you attack with that weapon, you can use your intelligence modifier instead of strength or dex for the attack and damage rolls. That's nice. Because I think they uh, the old UA kept that up, where you can instead use your intelligence modifier. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of classes have been doing that, which I enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, you can change your power <laughs> armor's model whenever you finish a short or long rest, provided you have Smith's tools in hand. Okay, so that's cool. So you can swap them out in case you need to see fit. Mm -hmm. Which is one of the reasons why Artificer is such a neat class, because of the utility ability of it, where you mm -hmm. can swap in between. Um, the first one, so the Guardian. You design your armor to be in the front line of conflict. It has the following features. Thunder gauntlets. Your armored fists each count as a simple melee weapon, and each deals 1d8 thunder damage on a hit. Oh my god. A creature hit by the gauntlet has disadvantage on attack rolls against other targets other than you until the start of your next turn, as the armor magically emits a distracting pulse when the creature attacks someone else. Jesus. So it's um, like frostbite, but not... But right? with your fists. But with your fists. And it does a lot more damage. It does a lot of damage. Yeah, because Frostbite only does a D6 of cold damage and they have disadvantage. But then again, it's a disadvantage. Wow. So it's a better version of Frostbite. Yeah. Because disadvantage only on its next attack. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and also it has defensive field. You gain a bonus action that you can use on each of your turns to gain temporary hit points equal to your level in this class, replacing any temp hit points you already have. You lose these temp hit points if you doff the armor. Holy shit. That can get really good. Because <laughs> bonus action. Yeah. I'm just, I have 10 HP. Temp HP. Bonus action. I have five temp HP. It's like you just, on every single one of your turns, you just automatically, you just you just buff yourself up. Yeah, it doesn't even say that there's an amount of times you can do yeah, that, Yeah, you it? just do that. You just get temp HP. You can just use a bonus action to gain, Jesus. Yeah. Um, at the, third level. At third level. Yeah, so you can get three temp HP every turn. You really are the tank if you run in there with that. What the fuck? You're a defender. You're not really necessarily a tank because you're going in there trying to take all the hits. <laughs> And you're giving everything else disadvantage. That's your main goal. <laughs> Especially with, what were your spells again? Magic Missile and Shield. Yeah, yeah, you get Shield. So interesting. The next thing is called Infiltrator. So you customize your armor for subtle undertakings. It has the following features. Lightning Launcher. Okay, I don't really... <laughs> what before reading heck? into it, it's hilarious. It's like, oh, for subtle undertakings. And the next thing immediately, Lightning Launcher. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, a gem-like node appears on one of your armored fists or on the chest. Your choice. You know, like an arc reactor. It counts as a simple ranged weapon with a normal range of 90 feet and a long range of 300 feet. And as it, you do. Yep. And it deals 1d6 lightning damage on a hit. Once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with it, you can deal an extra 1d6 lightning damage to that target. Wait. So Once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with it, you can deal one extra. When would you not... On um, at fifth level you get extra attack so you okay. when you hit it for the first time you can deal 2d6 damage and then if you use it a second time oh, you only deal 1d6 oh because it counts as a simple ranged weapon not a spell yeah that's insane yeah 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 
So it's a D6 of lightning damage, and there's not too many things that are resistant to lightning. I mean, but don't, also, don't the, ever go the, against shambling mountains. This, this is now a wizard, or a, basically a wizard that, is, that uh, takes advantage of two attacks. Yeah. Like the, the battlesmith can because, you know, it's meant for hitting and stuff like that. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get powered steps, so your walking speed increases by five feet. You also get second skin. The armor's weight is negligible and becomes formitting and form-fitting and wearable under clothing. If the armor normally imposes disadvantage on stealth checks, the power hour doesn't. Okay. So you could be wearing like crazy plate armor and not require that strength, and also it doesn't give you disadvantage on stealth. Sh- sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could say. Sure. Um, there's a rule tip in here about bonus actions, essentially that, um, you don't have a bonus action if something, until something gives you bonus action. Yes. The Mm -hmm. clunkiest part of the entire edition. Yeah. (laughs) Someone put out a tweet the other day that was like, what is something that you would get rid of or change in fifth edition? I just said bonus actions because they're the clunkiest thing to explain to a new player. Yeah. At least just make it like the one thing I didn't just like make, just call it a minor action. Yeah. Well, see, well, what annoys me about it is that it doesn't work like a minor action. Oh, I know, but it's everyone has a minor action, but if you don't have anything to do to use as a minor action, then you just don't use it. Yeah. So it's not like you know, there you go. <laughs> well, the the thing was is that in fourth edition, you could use minor actions for things. Yeah. And they didn't want to do that, and I'm so tempted that just house rule that I'm just like, nope, you always have a bonus action, and we can talk about what you can do with it. Yeah, because it's so much easier to do than trying to be like, well, you can't do it because you don't really have a bonus. Anyway, let's keep going. We, we <laughs> talked a lot. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but at fifth level, the next time you get something, you get extra attack. So you can attack twice rather than once whenever you take the attack action on your turn, which mm-hmm. will be handy for those thunder fists and lightning <laughs> nodes Christ. attacks. Um, the next thing you get is at ninth level. It's called armor modifications. You learn how to use your artificer infusions to specially modify the armor enhanced by your power armor feature. The armor now counts as separate items for the purposes of your infused item features. Armor, the chest piece, boots, bracers, and a weapon. Each of those items can bear one of your infusions. In addition, the maximum number of items you can infuse at once increases by two. But these extra items must be part of your power armor. So even though they say it's separate pieces, they're like, eh, but we'll just give it to you anyways. (laughs) This is insane. This already feels way too much. <laughs> this I this is broken. Yeah. Like, and I don't. You know me. I don't say that a lot in D yeah. <laughs> But like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, this is this is quite a bit. Yeah, I, I love how they're like, oh yeah. So the armor now counts as separate items. However, we're still gonna let you do two more. <laughs> it's like you you you're going to balance and then you took it away. <laughs> um, carrying on. So that's ninth level. Um, at fifteenth level. Your power armor gains additional benefits based on its model. So the guardian, the one that can uh, cause disadvantage and has a defense, but the temp HP to you, uh, you get guardian. Tinkering with your armor's energy system leads you to discover a powerful pulling force. When a creature you can see ends its turn within 30 feet of you, you can use your reaction to force the creature to succeed on a strength saving throw against your spell DC or be pulled up 30 feet toward 30 feet toward you to an unoccupied space. Get over here. Good lord. If you pull the target to space within five feet of you, you can make a melee weapon attack against it as part of the reaction. So if someone walks up to your buddy boo over there and you're like, nah, come over here. And then you pull him towards you and then you can just hit him for free. <laughs> Jesus. 
That's a lot. You can use this reaction a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. And you gain all uses of it when you finish a long rest. So you could be purely intelligence and con-based with this build. Because you make your attacks with the intelligence, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of... Yeah, whenever you attack with that weapon, you can use your intelligence modifier instead of strength or dexterity. You can... Strength, dex, dump mods, like dump stats. You can just purely focus on intelligence and con. That's insane. Okay. Um, the infiltrator, the sneaky boy yeah. who does lightning. Um, any creature that takes lightning damage from your lightning launcher glimmers with light until the start of your next turn. The glimmering creature sheds dim light in a five foot radius and the next attack roll against it has, other than you has advantage. If that attack hits, it deals an extra 1d6 lightning damage. So, okay. Um, I'm just... <laughs> I just suddenly had a thought about an entire team of just artificers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would melt through everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, in order for it to be any kind of challenge, you'd have to throw something crazy at them. Or, or I don't know. <laughs> it's kind well, of a you lot. Think you bad? Here's Orcus. <laughs> so, artificer infusions. Um... When you choose your artificer infusions, you now have access to the following options. So I'm assuming these can only help boost your armor. Yep. So keep in mind that when you reach, what was it, ninth level, you get an additional two infusions that you can choose um, on top of the regular ones that you can do. So these are new options. Uh, they do have some prerequisites. Tenth uh, level artificer is a prerequisite for this. Armor of magical strength. Um, the item you put it on is a suit of armor, naturally. It requires attunement. Mm -hmm. While wearing this armor, a creature can use its intelligence modifier in place of its strength modifier when making strength checks and strength saving throws. Oh my god, you can totally make strength and dex your dump stat entirely. The armor has four charges. As a reaction when it would be knocked prone, a wearer can expend one charge not to be knocked prone. <laughs> the armor regains 1d4 expended charges daily at dawn. <laughs> What is this? What I don't is this subclass? I, I don't. I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, the next one is armor of tools. Uh, all, it just needs to be a suit of armor. As an action, a creature wearing this infused armor can integrate it what? into its artisan's tools or thieves' tools. The tools remain integrated in the armor for eight hours or until the wearer removes the tools as an action. The armor can only have one tool integrated at a time. The wearer can add its intelligence modifier to any ability checks it makes with the integrated tool. The wearer oh. must have a hand free to use the tool. Let, let, we need this lockpick. Get the fuck, get fucking Iron Man over here. <laughs> or doesn't arcane uh, tricksters use intelligence for They're the rogues? They're still rogues. I know, but you add your intelligence on top of your, your regular checks. So if they have expertise in, in the thieves tools oh my God. and they have really good intelligence... <laughs> And it just says a suit of armor. Does that necess that doesn't necessarily mean uh, yeah, I don't heavy know. armor. Yeah, I don't know what. Oh my god. Okay, so next up, <laughs> helm of awareness. You need to be a tenth level artificer to use this, and you just put it on a helmet. While wearing this helmet, a creature has advantage on initiative rolls. In addition, the wearer can't be surprised, provided it isn't incapacitated. So it pretty much gives you alarm. Yeah, which is actually pretty nice. Well, um, no, alarm gives you the... Oh, it's an alert yeah. kind of, but alert. not, yeah, yeah, eh, not really. But it's interesting. Uh, oh, it's that shield. It's the sentinel shield. Yeah. Where it's like you pretty much are aware of everything. Um, mind sharpener. The infused item can... Se weapon of warning. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, there it's you the go. the weapon of warning. There you go. 
but a helmet. Uh, that one does require attunement. The next one is the Mind Sharpener. It's a suit of armor or robes, which is interesting. The infused item can send a jolt to the wearer to refocus their mind. While wearing this infused item, whenever a creature fails a con saving throw to maintain concentration, it can use its reaction to just succeed instead. What? There is no times per day it can do this. You There's can, no charges. You can just do this from the get-go. Yeah. there's no. You can just, hey, wizard, do you want to always succeed your con checks? Does it... Um, it doesn't even say once you do this, you can't do this again. Yeah, no. So it's just it's you. Just, the only payoff is you have to use your reaction, which as a, as wizard, a wizard, who the fuck cares? Yeah. I mean, you're only going to be using your reaction really for what, shield. What is this? Wow. What is this? Okay. Um, spell refueling ring. Oh, by the way, that doesn't require attunement. No, it doesn't <laughs> require a level. It just requires a suit of armor or robes. Robes. <laughs> the next thing is a six level artificer is required to make a spell refueling ring. And as you can guess, you need a ring to make it. While wearing this ring, the creature can recover one expended spell slot as an action. The maximum level of the recovered slot is equal to the number of magic items the wearer is currently attuned to. Once used, the ring can't be used again until the next dawn. Okay. So it's kind of like a pearl power. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that one does require two minutes at least. Okay, so that is that is the new artificer and the new infusions that you can do. I feel like this is going to get brought up in our second topic. It will. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little too much. It I was... almost feel like someone was like, "What if we just wrote one just did just wrote a class once and never play tested it and just <laughs> gave it to these people and just see what shit ruins everything." Oh my god, you only need two good stats. And you barely need a con stat if you don't care the, like, too much. Because you they, have temp HP. They, they called that ability the power armor. They should just call it the power gamer. Yeah. Like, I hope to god that some of the players in my group do not see this. Because they're going to want to do it. And I'm going to tell them no. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, a lot of UA, I'm like, yeah, we can give it a shot. But this one, I'll just be like, straight up, we have to work on this. We can't. Yeah. No. We'll get so, into more of that later. Yeah. That, um, so that was the Artificer. That was part one of these three subclasses that we can choose from. Um, the next one is for the Druid. Um, the it is the Circle of the Stars. So an circle ancient lineage, the Circle of Stars, <laughs> allows Druids to draw on the power of starlight. These Druids have tackled heavenly patterns, sorry, have tracked heavenly patterns since true, good Lord, I can't read. <laughs> Since time immemorial, discovering secrets hidden amid the constellations. Easy for you to say. Yeah. By revealing and understanding these secrets, the circle of the stars seeks to harness the powers of the cosmos. So they're space druids. Many druids of this circle keep detailed records of the stars. Oh, no, they're astrology druids. That's what they are. <laughs> well, I know what my sister's doing next. <laughs> uh, many druids of the circle keep detailed records of the stars and their effects on the world. Oh, Some God, groups... this is perfect for her. Yeah, see what I mean? Some groups document these observations at megalithic sites, which serves as enigmatic libraries of lore. These re repositories might take the form of stone circles, pyramids, petroglyphs, and underground temples. Any construction durable enough to protect the circle's sacred knowledge even against a great cataclysm. So that's interesting. Uh, star map. At second level, 
You've created a star map as part of your study of the heavens. The map is a tiny object and can serve as a spellcasting focus for your druid spells. You decide what the form the object takes, or you can determine what it is by rolling on the star map table. So there's a few options. There's D6 table here. Stone tablet with fine holes drilled through it. Collection of maps bound in an ebony cover. Speckled owlbear hide tooled with raised marks. Scroll of living wood that aligns with heavenly bodies. Um, a crystal that projects starry patterns when placed before a light. I like that one. Oh, I like that a lot. Tempered glass discs that align to depict constellations. Hmm. If you lose your map, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to magically create a replacement. It can be performed during a short or long rest, and it destroys the previous map. You can cast the Augury and Guiding Bolt spells without expending a spell slot. Oh. And without preparing the spell, provided you use the star map as the spellcasting focus. You can cast this a number of times equal to your Wisdom modifier, and you regain all uses when you finish a long rest. That is nice. The Guiding Bolt spell is so good. <laughs> yeah. Especially for low levels. Oh, yeah. Like, you hit it with a ton of damage, because it's like 46, and the next person who hits it gets advantage. Yeah. That is really good. The augury one can be really fun mm -hmm. if your DM likes to play with it. Uh, you know, Wayne or Will, Will or Woe, I forgot exactly what it's called, but it's a lot of fun and you can kind of, it makes a lot of sense with this uh, subclass so far because it's just kind of reading the future and what you can yeah. possibly get out of it. Um, at second level as well, you get starry form. Okay. Um, you gain the ability to harness Constellation's power to alter your form. As an action, you can expend a use of your wild shape to take on a starry form rather than transforming into a beast. While in your starry form, you retain your game statistics, but your body takes on a luminous star-like quality. Your joints glimmer like stars and glowing lines connect them as on a star chart. This form sheds bright light and 10 feet dim light for additional 10, and the form lasts for 10 minutes or until you're incapacitated. Whenever you assume your starry form, choose which of the following constellations glimmer on your body. Your oh. choice gives you certain benefits while in the form. So there's the chalice. Constellation of life-giving goblet appears on you. Whenever you cast a spell using a spell slot that restores hit points or to you or another creature within 30 feet of you, they can regain hit points equal to 1d8 plus half your level in this class. So whenever you cast a spell that uses a spell spot, Spell slot that restores hit points. So you that's can, on top of yeah. That's what the I was spell. just. I was just. I was double checking that. So you cast cure wounds, you get to add a d8 plus half your level. Also, not just to that person you're casting it on. It's just either to you or to anyone within thirty feet of you. Oh wow! Yeah, you or another creature within thirty feet. Yeah, so you can fucking dual heal. That's really cool. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's the chalice. So that's the life-giving goblet. Um, the archer constellation. It appears on you. You gain a bonus action that you can use when to you make... change into this form, you just go, Lana! <laughs> yes. <laughs> you gain a bonus action that you can use to make a ranged spell attack, hurling a luminous arrow that targets a creature you can see within 60 feet of you. On a hit, the attack deals radiant damage equal to 1d8 plus your wisdom mod. Okay, so, so again, it's the same thing, but damage. Yeah, but damage. Um, let's see. And then the yeah, because it's a bonus action. Yeah. That you can use to make a range spell attack. So you can do a attack with like a bow, and then you can just do another bonus action to hurl another another arrow somewhere. That's really cool. Well, and no way. So you gain a bonus action. Oh, that you can use. Appears on you. You gain a bonus action. Oh yeah, you can just do it whenever. Yeah. It's not even a trigger. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then there's. Dragon. A constellation of a wise ancient dragon appears on you. When you make an intelligence or a wisdom check or a con saving throw to maintain concentration on a spell, you can treat a roll of nine or lower on the d20 as a ten. 
Oh, that's kind of cool. That is pretty neat. Especially, that's going to be good from like level one to level 10. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be really good uh, instead of just you'd pass it. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. I, I already forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can just, you know, reaction you What pass. if we just gave you a legendary save always? Always. Sorry. <laughs> um, there is a rule tip on here that says round down. Essentially, whenever you end up with a fraction, just round down. Um, unless a rule tells you to, to specifically. So that's the essentially replacing your, your B shape. Um, that's the new starry form. I kind of wish it wasn't called starry form. I don't know. That kind of feels like that doesn't, that doesn't quite feel like it's accurate. It is very accurate, but I wish it was called something else. Kind of feels, I don't know, childish. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like, know. I kind of, I kind of get in my head, like this Steven universe kind of art style to it, where it's like, there's this humanoid shape that is just made of space. And constellations. Yeah. So, like, because you're still you, but your body takes on a luminous star-like quality. Yeah, I, w- I would just change it for mine. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be like, no, you just look like a bunch of freaking space. Mm-hmm. Um, at sixth level, you get a new feature called Cosmic Omen. That's a. That sounds like a. That fucking sounds band really name. cool. <laughs> hey, well, you I'm, learn... I'm gonna go out and see Cosmic Omen this weekend. Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> Um, you learn to use your star map to divine the will of the cosmos. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can consult your star map for omens. When you do so, roll a d6. You gain one of the following omens based on whether you rolled an even or an odd number on the d6. So this is, again, based on fate, essentially. Yeah. There's odds, wheel or woe. That's what augury was. Mm-hmm. So even is wheel. Whenever a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, a saving throw, or an ability check, you can use a reaction to roll a d6 and add the number rolled to the total. That's really cool. And there's woe when you roll an odd on that d6. Whenever a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack, saving, or an ability check, you can use a reaction to roll a d6 and subtract the number rolled from the total. Either way is beneficial. Yeah. You can either be a buff or a debuff in this situation, essentially. You can use this reaction a number of times equal to your wisdom mod, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Once again, balanced. That sounds balanced. Yeah. Like so, it's it's a it's um, bless and bane essentially, yeah, but with but, a d six instead of a d four. Yeah, that's well. And it, it, what level is that six? Oh, that makes yeah. sense. At sixth level, a d six will make a difference. Oh hugely. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, so that one, I really like it. Um, Full of stars. I love the next one. Full yeah. of stars. Full of stars. Your 10th level feature. Uh, while your star form feature is active, you become partially incorporeal, giving you resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. That's legit. So while you're in this starry form, you have resistance to pretty much what uh, barbarians have. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, there's a rule tip in here talking about resistance. Uh, when you have resistance to a damage type, that damage is halved against you. Here's the order that you apply modifiers. Ooh, this is neat. Mm. One, any relevant damage immunity. Two, any addition or subtraction to the damage. Three, a relevant damage resistance. And then four, a relevant damage vulnerability. Oh. Interesting. Okay. So that makes sense, actually, because yeah. there's always that question of like, hey, I have like, this uh i'm, I'm going to be doing this my reaction to subtract that damage by three as mm-hmm. a bard it's like okay um you're also though uh like so you're now vulnerable resistant. to it but you're also resistant to it so which do i do first? see that actually that's i'm, I'm glad that i read that because i used to read things as like if you had vulnerability to it and then gained resistance to it it would just kind of even out even out yeah but 
No. I mean, especially if it's like an odd number two, that does make a huge mm-hmm. difference. Um, so that is at, let me see, 10th level. So yep. you get 10th level when you're in the sorry form. At Star Flare is the 14th level feature. Your connection to the cosmos allows you to conjure brilliant starlight. As an action, you conjure a burst of light in a 30-foot radius sphere centered on a point you can see within 120 feet of you. You can immediately teleport each willing creature in the sphere to an unoccupied space within 30 feet of it. Wait, what? (laughs) Each creature remaining in the sphere must succeed in a con save throw against your spell save or take 4010 radiant damage. 4010. Oh, and be blinded. Okay, I see what it's doing. So if you're like, hey, all my friends that are in the sphere, you're immediately teleported 30 feet next to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone else in there, aka the bad guys we're fighting, make a con saving throw and you're taking radiant damage and being blinded. Jesus. That's actually a pretty cool little feature. Yeah. I love the friendly fire, like, just exception there. You're like, no, 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 no. Get my friends out of there and Mm -hmm. then just nuke them. (laughs) Duke nuke them. (laughs) For 14th level, I kind of wish it was more than 4010. Yeah. Um, still, it's, it's nice still... that it can be blinded. It doesn't say at all that it's forty ten or if they succeed half. Like mm-hmm. that's the other. If it was forty ten, and it's, because it's either all or nothing right now, I wish the radiant damage was more. But since it's all or nothing, I wish it was like oh yeah, forty ten or on a save they only take half and they're not blinded. But it doesn't say that. It says yeah. once you've used this action, you can only use it once per long rest or until you spell a spell slot a fifth level or higher to use it again. Fifth level. You can do a lot of damage at fifth level better than forty ten. But teleporting and blind, I I feel like it's pretty. I feel like it's pretty balanced. Yeah, the teleportation part. That's where it's like. I still feel like it should be a if they save, they still take half. Yeah. But that is the circle of the stars druid um, subclass. Pretty interesting. I actually like that one. That yeah, one's I cool. Yeah, I do. Um, it's. So I just I look I looked it up uh, there towards the end. It's these aren't up on D and D Beyond yet, but I'm probably going to suggest my sister to make this one because she's not been too happy with the artificer, mm. and her character's backstory has to do with like a meteor in the stars. <gasps> so this kind of this like, would be so yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, so Ranger is the next one. Um, for all those Ranger lovers, you get another opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you at third level, uh, you get. Fey Wanderer option for an archetype. Oh, actually, you know what? Before we get into Ranger, let's take a break and do our DMs Guild Spotlight. Oh, yeah, totally. we're, we're 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 about an hour into this episode, so uh, <laughs> may as well may as well take yeah. a quick break. Uh, so our uh, DMs Guild Spotlight this week is um, what was it again? It is the Crystalline Curse Trilogy. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it is by the Jonathan Ball and a few other people and Beth Ball as well. Um, they have made these three really fun adventures, uh, and the coolest part about it is that they're duet adventures. Yes, they, uh, just like last week's episode, these are meant for one player, one DM, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this is a nice little bundle that has, uh, has <laughs> the first one is called First Blush, Yep. Second Glance, Third Time's the Charm. Yeah. Uh, so these uh, you can get these right now for $3, and they look like just cute little like mm-hmm. couples ones. They really are fun. I played this with Spencer um, last Valentine's Day, and it was actually quite a... It was like a little treat to do. Um, this the first Blessed Adventure, especially, it's actually really fun to play. And what's neat is that 
um, pretty much similar to the Blood Hunter one. Instead of it being specific to a class, um, you can play whatever class you like. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, it just tells you, yeah, you can play whatever you like, but here's kind of what your your background is in this world specifically. Because like you have a couple friends that are key to you, and then aside from that, you can make your own person. And if you don't want to bother with any of that, they also have pre-made player like player characters that yeah. you can choose from. And all three of those pl- pre-mades are really fun. And they all he- each have their own little personality based off of their class and who they are. And if you've been looking for a really good just, I want to jump in, do a duet with like my friend or even like my significant other, mm-hmm. this is a really good one to jump into. We're still in the month of February. So, you know, it's a little yeah. bit of Valentine's Day stuff there. Oh, That's yeah. cute. I love it. Um, it's essentially the first blush, um, to give you an idea of like how long it would be. It's a two to four hour introductory adventure. Um, so it's spanning, it's two parts for the first, for the first blush. And there's three pre-built and like PCs and yeah, this bundle essentially has three adventures that I believe takes you all the way up to level three. That's awesome. So it's a great way, especially now combined with um, the essentials kit way of uh, sidekicks and leveling up. Oh, you can yeah, really yeah, make yeah. a whole adventure out of this um, and you can really like play with it even after you finished the third times the charm adventure as well. So it's really neat. I recommend you go check it out. Um, we're going to, of course, leave links and all that on yeah. our Twitter. But yeah, go check out Crystalline Curse Trilogy from Jonathan and uh, Beth Ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, have, have some fun uh, one-on-one adventure time. Yeah. Not the show, though. I mean, I, if you like the show, whatever. <laughs> All right, let's hop back over into that UA. We got oh, the yeah. Ranger. The Ranger, the last one of the bunch. So at third level, you get Fey Wanderer. You guard the border between the Feywild and the Material Plane, guiding the lost out of the Feywild and preventing dangerous Fey from damaging the Material Plane. Your experience with both domains makes you an exceptional navigator between inhabitants of these worlds. Exceptional negotiator between inhabitants of these worlds. That's very different. Um, <laughs> as you understand both humanoid mindsets and the wiles of the Fey courts. This is a really cool thing that I wish came out before I did my whole Fey wild adventure for my campaign. <laughs> I would have used this. Um, anyways, Fey wanderers possess preternatural blessing from a Fey ally or a place of Fey power. Choose your blessing from the Feywild gifts table or determine it randomly. There's a D6 table. Um, so you got some Feywild gifts. Uh, one is illusory butterflies flutter around you while you take a short or long rest. That's really cute. Um, fresh seasonal flowers sprout from your hair each dawn. Oh my God, I love all these. You faintly smell of cinnamon, lavender, nutmeg, or another comforting herb or spice. Coffee. Yes. You, your shadow dances while no one is looking directly at it. And delicate horns or antlers sprout from your head. Or your skin and hair change color to match the seasons at each dawn. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you all could see Allie's facial expressions right now. Oh, my (laughs) God. So, uh, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm a huge fan of, like, Faye and all that good stuff. Not just, like, in D&D with the Feywild, but generally fairy bullshit. I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, like, right up my alley. And I'm like, I want to do this already. I don't even know what the rest of it is. Um, so at third level, when you do get this archetype, you get the Fey Wanderer magic. So you get some spells that um, count as a ranger spell for you, but it doesn't count against the number of ranger spells you know. So that at third level, you get Charm Person. Fifth, you get Misty Step. Ninth, you get Dispel Magic. Thirteenth, you get Banishment. And seventeenth, you get Mislead. Ooh, wh- I don't recognize Mislead. I don't even remember what that spell is. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Tell you, uh, you keep going. I'll, I, I will, I'll look it up. Oh, okay. Oh, I just, yeah, so mislead. Usually it's a bard or wizard spell, and it's up to an hour. Um, you become invisible at the same time that an illusory double of you appears where you are standing. The double lasts for the duration, but the invisibility ends if you attack or cast a spell. You can use your action to move your illusory double up to twice your speed and make it gesture, speak, and behave in whatever way you choose. Uh, you can see through its eyes and hear through its ears as if you're located where it is on each of your turns. You can switch back while you're using its senses. You're blinded and deafened in regard to your own surroundings. So that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so far, all these spells fit completely with someone who's totally used to fey bullshit. Yeah. Like charm person, obviously. Misty but, step, yes. But also like a <laughs> warden between realms. Oh, yeah. Like the banishment. banishment. Yeah. That is such a cool little throw yeah. in there. Because, yeah, you are supposed to be that warden. And I like that it gives you misty steps. So like, even if you aren't an Aladrin, mm-hmm. you still get to you do can, that fable yeah, shit. Yeah, you can go through it. Uh, I like how we're just calling it fable shit now. <laughs> hashtag fable shit. Uh, cunning will is the other thing. You actually get several things at third level, but this is the second thing you get at third level. Your experience with the Fae has guarded your mind and sharpened your tongue. You have advantage on saving throws against being charmed or frightened. In addition, you gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice. Deception, performance, or persuasion. So even if you're an elf, um, you get advantage on saving throws against being frightened. Yeah. So not against just charms. So it's still beneficial to you whether or not you're, you're already an elf or not. Mm-hmm. And you also get an extra proficiency, which is pretty cool. There's a third level dead for, dreadful strikes. Um, you're augment your attacks with mind-scarring magic drawn from the gloomy hollows of the Unseelie Fae. You gain a bonus action that you can use to imbue the weapon or weapons you're currently holding with magic. Until the end of the turn, the weapons are magical and they deal an extra 1d6 psychic damage on a hit. The creature can take this extra damage only once per turn. When you engage in two-weapon fighting, you can imbue your weapons as part of the same bonus action you use to make the attack. What what level do monks get magic fists? I think it's third. Third level? Or is it second? I'm not sure, but that... Okay, if it's that low level, then this is totally fine. Yeah. Because I'm this like... Is the, but the, the extra D6 of psychic damage at third level, good lord. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's it's only on one of their hit once per turn. Yeah. But that's still really nice. And it allows you to do it with two weapon fighting too, which is crazy. Yes. So rangers can still be the, the dual wielding... Yeah. Scimitar people that they want to be. With their fey bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, moving all the way to seventh level... Uh, it's called Blessings of the Courts. I am just so in love with all of this right now. <laughs> um, you have learned eerie techniques from both the Gloaming Court and the Summer Court of the Feywild. Once during each of your turns, when you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend a spell slot to deal extra psychic damage. The extra damage is 3d6 damage, and the creature must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell to see or be frightened of you until the end of your next turn. In addition, whenever you make a charisma check, you gain a bonus to the check equal to your wisdom modifier. Jesus. So at seventh level, you get extra 3d6. Um, there's no... Yeah, there's no, like, saying it's only once per day or anything like that. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's once during each of your turns when you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend a spell slot. Oh, there, well, there's the balance. You have to expend a spell slot. Ah, there, there it you is. Go. There it is. Okay, so possibly because of the dreadful strikes, you're already dealing a D6 of damage. You're going to be swinging with like a short sword if you're dual wielding. Yeah. So that's one, two, possibly five D6 of damage in yeah. one hit uh, if you use a spell slot. That's that's big boom. Yeah, that's pretty good, especially if you're uh, an attacker and you're using your spell slots. 
Ooh, and then you already have Hunter's Mark on him. <gasps> That's a lot of damage. <laughs> a lot of damage. It's not even a backstab. <laughs> no. Um, at 11th level, you get what's called Beguiling Twist. You learn how to manipulate mind-altering magic, channeling it from your allies towards others. Whenever a creature you can see within 120 feet of you succeeds on a saving throw against being charmed or frightened, you can use your reaction to force a different creature you can see within 120 feet of you to succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell save to see or suffer your choice of one of the following effects. So the creature is charmed or frightened by your choice by you um, for one minute. The creature can repeat the save at the end of their turns, ending the effect on a six save. The creature takes 3d10 psychic damage. So let's see. So what exactly does that mean? So whenever a creature you can see within feet of you succeeds a saving throw. To be charmed or frightened. You can use your reaction to force a different creature you can see within 120 feet of you to succeed on a... Wisdom saving throw against your spell. See if, okay. So if one of your friends succeeds on being charmed or frightened, or if one of your enemies succeeds on being fr- charmed or frightened, you can choose a different person to take two. This is very niche. Yeah. Like, this is a very specific thing. Yeah. Because, like, it'd be good for, like, dragons with frightful presence. Yeah. But, like, this isn't something that's going to come up every session yeah i'm looking at it too and it's like the spells that you get as a ranger the the charm person you get at third level here like that'd be i think if i'm remembering right unless there's some frightened spells in the ranger spell book i don't remember off the top of my head um but you'd have to kind of team up with a cleric or someone like that yeah um and that's that way if they succeed you can do a take two on another target or if you're fighting fey or fey bullshit um and they make you roll for it or one of your friends roll for it i guess because it doesn't say you yeah Yeah, it says whenever a creature you see within 120 feet of you well okay so blessings of the court though doing that because i i'm like we i know we read this recently uh wisdom saving throw against uh your spell save dc or be frightened of you until the end of your next turn so you can actually proc this Okay, so every time you go for it, if they succeed, you can say like, all right, next, and you yeah. just throw it up to the next person yeah. and then see if they will succeed or not. All right, that's not that bad. Yeah, so on top of that, then they would take 3d10 psychic damage, and they will be charmed or frightened by it. So that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, all right, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> so it really is buffing your own stuff that you got going on. Mm-hmm. And then at 15th level, you've got what's called Misty Presence. You can magically remove yourself from one creature's perception. You gain a bonus action that you can use to force a creature you can see within 30 feet of you to make a wisdom save throw against your spell save to see. On a failed save, the creature can't see or hear you for 24 hours. (laughs) The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of any turn during which you hit it with an attack roll, force it to make a saving throw, or dealt damage to it. The effect ends early if you use this bonus action again. On a successful save, the target is immune to this feature for seven days. Once you've used this bonus action, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest or until you expend a spell slot of fourth level or higher to use it again. Is a member of your party really pissing you off? <laughs> that would be really fun, just party griefing. But on it's top of like, that... You know what? You're being a piece of shit. <laughs> I can really see this being helpful in espionage of learning oh, yeah. more about a bad guy. Like you're, you're like, oh, the camp's up there. Well, let me just go check it out. <laughs> uh, it, it makes me think of an Acquisitions Incorporated game where there was a, a character who was cursed and they couldn't see a ladrin or fey creatures. Oh and so Will Wheaton was there and the character couldn't see him. <laughs> and it was it was really good. It was really irritating. Nice. So 
That was all three subclasses yeah. that they introduced in part three of this 2020 so, season of Honor Arcana. <laughs> so since we're at uh, an hour and 11 minutes, let's quickly transition into topic two, which is the problem with Unearth Arcana. Yes. <laughs> what is this now? Yeah. So um, last year, we kind of were talking about the concept of like, ooh, all these subclasses. It feels like they're making a PHP part two or something like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like a new Xanathar's thing. Or yeah. something. And when we got to the end of last year and we had the class variants and everything, I'm like, okay, this is this is feeling really good. I like where they're yeah. going towards it. And then in January, they're like, the 2020 subclasses are here. And I'm like, what? And that and that that's really where my confusion started. Yeah. Is when we started doing the classes again. Again. And right I under- off the bat, too. And yeah. I understand that Xanathar has like three subclasses for each class. Mm-hmm. I get that. The, these subclasses that we had before were so different. Yeah, none of them were really like themed together or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> and and so now I'm so confused. At like, it's like, are we working towards this? And and the uh, the thing for me is that if we get another three subclasses per class, that's getting into some problems with just overwhelming options for a new player. Yeah. Like right now I'm thinking of the person like if I have someone join my group and I throw them my D&D Beyond link <laughs> I like I I could tell them to turn off playtest stuff. Sure. But if I don't then they are overwhelmed with all of these subclasses there. See like but you can always counter that by just simply saying player's handbook. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and and I get that. It's just I don't I don't know. I I did like it a little bit more when On Earth Arcana felt more like these are just things that we're fucking with. And like different play style variants. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the the Greyhawk initiative that you talk about yeah. all the time. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. They also have done like trap variants and they've also done like the, downtime activities. W- and... When they did the modern weapons one. Yeah. That was really cool. I, I really enjoyed those other things and I don't. I wish that we knew what these were working towards. Like I wish I wish that they would just be like, "All right, listen, we're working on a book. We we need the most playtesters." <laughs> yeah. And, and and you know, that's what they did with 5th edition. You know, they were yeah. like, "We don't really know exactly what we're going to do, so here's D&D next." Mm-hmm. And but this doesn't have a D&D Next feel to it. Because D&D Next was like every month, it was a new variant of the rule set until mm-hmm. they figured out what worked. And because of the way that they're going right now, where it's just like they drop it, and they talk about it, and then they don't talk about it ever again. Yeah. And I do, and it's like, well, what's happening with the classes? Yeah, what's- the only time they've ever like brought it up again is when they re-release an updated version but then they come clean and they're like oh yeah but this is going to be in a book like the artificer yeah but but then again think about how long the first artificer to the redone artificer was yeah it was a really long time really long time and so i don't know what they're gonna do with all of this because they're putting out so many of them at one time repeatedly i mean this is the second one this month yeah uh, it, 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 and because like, you know, we've done this thing where we talk about them every time they come out, I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm legit to the point where I'm like, we've had two episodes this month that were focused on Unearth Arcana. Yeah. And this one with its artificer Iron Man bullshit, I'm just like, this just feels like a joke. 
Like, I don't know why we're even talking about it because it's like that just that doesn't even feel right. I mean, that alone is something to talk about, too, because like the concept of I mean, how often do we play D&D, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how often is that a brand new game where you can play a new character every week? Yeah. So it's like the ability to play test all of these things going on. Yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, like, you, you listeners, you've heard me. Like, when we get a class, I'm just like, I want to play that right mm-hmm. now. There is some really good stuff in here. But I don't know what's going on with it. And then my, my other problem with it is, is like, okay, so my sister was playing the Artificer. She was playing the Archivist. Yeah. It's gone. It's completely gone. We, we were playing with yeah. D&D Beyond because that's what helps our group do it. And then D&D Beyond was like, yeah, after this certain, uh, after Eberron comes out, you can't level it up anymore. Mm-hmm. You can have that character, but you can't level it up. Yeah. And, and for when you're playing a game like on Skype or what have you, that makes things pretty difficult. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we had to meet up and completely redo her character. Yeah. And so it, it's... it's I, I don't know what they're doing with this. I don't know what time frame they're working with this. And I'm and I, I'm sure that is by design. Like that's what they want. They don't want us to know what they're working on. They're just trying to get information out of us. But I would like to know a little something. Yeah, it would be nice to understand like where this is going towards because, or even talking about how they are using our feedback because we've been preaching go do the surveys. Mm-hmm. In fact. Go do the survey for the last one. So I know I will. After yeah. uh, we finish this campaign up with the Noble Genie Warlock, I'm going to spew all about it. I'm going to well, talk there, about Well, there's how... a time frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't done it, I don't think you can do that one anymore. But oh, well. it, it's, yeah. But it, it's, it's, I wish that we knew what this was building towards. And because like, I, like I said, like it felt like they were building towards something last yeah. year. And this year's has felt all over the place yeah like the clockwork sorcerer i don't think that's going to be in a book <laughs> no <laughs> this this iron man artificer that's i don't think that's going to be in a book i, I really want to see uh twitter's full reaction to this iron man artificer i mean i understand people are excited because yeah it's iron man it's straight up is yeah. but the concept of using it in game is just like no, no. <laughs> just no no because there's no real way to have one player well, play that it, and have the other ones feel good about it <laughs> that that's and that's exactly it. it's i'm i'm broken was the wrong thing because i can we can do whatever we want like if it was a one-on-one session like you could do some cool avenger shit with it yeah but that class as it is feels like a spotlight stealing class yeah where oh yeah that's for the min maxer who it's like oh i i can win D. yeah <laughs> it, it, like the lockpick thing bothers me where it's just like oh i'm a rogue i'm all good at thievery and stuff and then the uh the artificer comes he's like no i got this now mm-hmm. yeah it's... like i just i i don't like that one it, it, it's now confusing me of like what we're actually doing here. It, it, it's one of those moments where I look around like, what are we doing here? <laughs> What's going on? I yeah, I would like some clarity on it. And I know I'm just some dude that's on a podcast. <laughs> like they don't care <laughs> what I what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I'm starting to feel like the UAs are losing themselves. And I think it's honestly because we used to get other stuff besides classes, and now it's just classes. Every freaking yeah. time. And I'm like, can we break it up with something? Like, give me rules. Give me variant rules for like horseback riding or something. Just fucking yeah. 
something. Well, what's funny is that I was actually just talking about this last night with my buddy Marcos. He was like, well, I really want to look into um, like settlement building and I really want to look into yeah. like doing this. And I'm like, well, fun fact, all this information has already been published. Yeah. It's already all in books. And so it's like, I think they're steering away from a lot of like not subclasses content because they feel like they've already covered a lot of it. Because especially in Xanathar's Guide, there's so much in there that people the, don't remember are in there. And same with the DMG. Then my question is, what is Unearthed Arcana after whatever they're doing comes out? Yeah. It, it, I, I, it, it, it used to be this place where it's like, we're going to try new things. We're going to give you rule set that we're not going to publish. Like the modern weapons were never going to be in a book. Greyhawk Initiative was never, never going to be, be in a book. book. Yeah. And I wish that we were the revised ranger. <laughs> yeah, like I much to everybody's sadness. <laughs> yeah, like I wish we got more stuff besides tell us if you think this class is cool. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, well, why do you want to know if this class is cool? Just tell if it's cool or not. Yeah, and, and it, it's getting disheartening. And 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 again, like I was saying, I was like, I'm getting kind of tired of reading them. I know, and. And I and I know and like like I know I I know listeners do enjoy it like we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that said I really enjoy your own Arcana episodes because I don't read through them and I wait to listen to what you guys say about it and plus a lot of people and that I've heard at least feedback are saying that they enjoy us explaining some of this stuff yeah. because once you read through it like sometimes I have to read through it twice and be like oh that's well, we, why we that's useful to, we had to do that this time we were just like wait a minute let's go back and look at that for a moment <laughs> yeah because sometimes unless you have like like just general knowledge about D, you don't understand how these subclasses can really benefit from themselves yeah because like having an understanding of spells that they could possibly use like i don't know off the top of my head the ranger spell list and that ranger themselves could really benefit from more than just their own ability. Yeah. So if they had access to other spells, that would be really cool. But off the top of my head, I can't think of them right mm-hmm. now. Um, I get that. And like coming from someone who would be brand, who, coming from someone who is really experienced playing D&D, there are certain classes where I look at and I'm like, I really wish there was more than just these options. Yeah. For example, fighter. Yeah. I wish I had more options than just like the five that are out there. And I'm just sitting here like, I don't really want to play any of these. Is yeah. there any other ones I can do? I look at Unearthed Arcana and that gives me more options. Whereas there are some classes where I'm like, I have no idea which of these subclasses I the, want to do. The bard. The bard. It's like, what college are you going to go to? Because there's a billion of them. Yeah. And so it's like, that one's overwhelming. Yeah. For brand new players, they have really no big reason to go into UA. I yeah. feel like if they just stuck to book stuff, they would be super happy yeah. with it. And your DM would be happy with it because you you won't be coming up to the table being like, hey, listen, I got this question. Because uh-huh. <laughs> the DM will actually know how to answer it. Whereas like with, for example, the Iron Warlock. <laughs> the Warlock that I'm playing, it's like, hey, this says that you can cast spells through other people. Yeah. Does that mean I can do self spells? And that wasn't part of the actual UA. So the GM had to make a call there. So it's like UAs kind of make things a little more complicated. But for experienced players, it kind of frees it up a little bit because you get more options. And and like like I'm saying, like I do think that having the options is cool. And I think that working with it for more classes is cool. It's just right now we don't have a clear vision of what they're doing. And it's just getting more and more and more and more and more that's true like, 
the artificer just came out. Yeah. And oh, we yeah. just and we literally just read a UA that added a class to it. And I'm so disappointed by it. But like that to me at first glance made sense because it's like every other class has at least like five or so subclasses that they can go into and the artificer's only like three. But I, then I, I get that, but like it, it, the, the, I think that subclass is the one that's confusing me about what the purpose of this is. Yeah. Because how weird is it if we get like Xanathar's guy two, whatever, whatever the hell it's going to be called. And the artificer's in there. Yeah. <laughs> then that book is now not just connected to the player's handbook. It's also connected to the Eperon book. Yeah. We're getting away from the, the one book connection. Yeah. Kind of and feel. they literally said in this playtest, oh, we'll only use spells that are in the player's handbook because the player's handbook is, should be only yeah. the thing that you need. And if this, the Artificer book was plugged into anything other than the main book, this is like, you're going to also need the Eberron book to play yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I I think I think that this is the one that broke me on it where I'm just like I I how is this going to fit into something? Yeah. Are we just are you just having fun making classes and you're just putting it out there? Cuz like as part of me is like going like does D&D Beyond even know what they're doing? Because <laughs> not not what not what D&D Beyond but I mean yeah. does D&D Beyond know what Wizards is doing because they've and no not saying bad. I love the fact that they've jumped on and they're like we'll get it in there. You yeah. can play it for free. It's right there. Yeah. But it um also just like, do they know what the plans are with it? Yeah. Or are they just trying to make it so it's easier for people to play test as soon as possible? Yeah. Which is good. I do agree with that. Yeah. But like w- in the situation with the, the archivist for the artificer where they're just like, can't play it anymore. Same with the Blood Hunter. That's always been kind of my bummer about D&D Beyond where it's like, if something got updated, you can't play the older version yeah. that you've been playing for God knows how long. Yeah. Like, I think well, I, I think, mentioned I that think, when we played, when we talked about the D&D Beyond episode. I think uh, the Blood Hunter was different, though. If you already had the character, you could keep leveling it. But the Archivist was just, nope. Yeah, it's done. Done. Yeah. I mean, that was the same for a lot of the um, old UA that popped into Xanathar's Guide, I think. Because they were like, oh, yeah, no, this yeah. is, you got to update. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I hate to leave it off on just kind of this bleh, uh, you know, mood, but I'm just like that's kind of how I'm feeling about it yeah. right now. Like the 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 circle of the stars drew it. I'm gonna recommend it to my sister. She might have f- some fun with it. Oh my god, yeah. Make but her then, like a total hippie and like astrology all over the place. <laughs> but I have to give her the warning. I'm like, if a book comes out this year and they didn't put it in there, you might lose this again. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. We'll think about it. <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's all I got. <laughs> I just um, want I wanted to voice my piece on that yeah, one. Yeah, I'll just finish it off by saying like, if players, if you're thinking about playing a UA in a campaign, especially a long running campaign, talk with your DM way before you even come up with a character concept about it, because UA, believe it or not, is homebrew content. Just because it's published by Wizards does not necessarily mean it's an accepted thing (laughs) it is not approved it is not canon it is thrown to the wind with hopes that it will get somewhere you are not canon yeah and so talk with your dm always before running into ua and sometimes your dm will probably be oh totally for it or sometimes it'll be like no so just you know read the table talk to your dm figure it out before you just dump in (laughs) all right i think that was i think that's all we can really spew about it i think so (laughs) 
Well, that was our show for this week. Um, if you enjoy this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your surface of choice as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and on Instagram at difficultypodcast. So until next week. Don't get killed by an overpowered Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.